You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. We, uh, we've been in this conversation called The Good Fight. And uh, let me review and just bring everyone up to, to snuff here. Uh, and if you've, uh, you're coming in here on the seventh inning or so. We, uh, we decided to have these conversations because there's so much tension in our, in our culture and our society, and it just seems to be increasing. And in that increase, we have to remind ourselves that there are things to fight for. And, and they're, they're spirit for the spiritual kingdom of Christ, for the mission of Christ. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught in the wrong fight we'll, and, instead of the good fight. And so um, the last words of the Apostle Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, he said, at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. We've agreed that those are words that we would like to say. Those are words that you would like to say at the end of your life rather than, well, I kind of took it easy. I was kind of half in. And we've been looking at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament because he lived a life of a good fight. And so now we come to the part of the story that um, today is a very simple reminder. Some of the messages, I think, have been deeper under the hood. But sometimes it's the simple things, I believe, that that really... um, are practical for us. So today, believe it or not, this is going to be shopping 101. How to shop? Because there's some basics in shopping because everyone that lived in the area where Joseph lived became shoppers. And they became involuntary shoppers. I don't know if you've ever been in that scenario where you got to go shopping because the person that you're with is shopping and so you end up going shopping even though you don't want to go shopping but you still shop. We've been married 28 years this year, so there's been a lot of that on both ends, by the way. And so um, when you look at the story of Joseph, just in a nutshell, we come to this part of the story where Joseph has been falsely accused. He was sold out by his brothers. He was uh, entombed basically in an underground uh, cavernous uh, jail uh, situation, and then he was released. And so many of these pictures are very much pictures that we see in Christ. And that's going to be key to our story today because God is always sending pictures um, in, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament. There are many, many pictures. The Passover lamb, the brazen serpent, the, the, this, um, the uh, Noah's ark is a picture of baptism, as Peter said. I mean, so if you, if you know the, the, the New and the Old Testament, they really link closely together because God is preparing the world. He's preparing humanity to to understand when Jesus gets here. It's like a movie preview. When he gets here, it's no surprise. I would venture to say to you that if you're still considering, is Christ the Messiah of the world? One of the challenges that I like to give people is what were the previews of other faith leaders, other religious leaders in history? And you'll not find anything close Anything remotely close to Christ, who God was saying to the world, here's what he'll look like, here's what he'll do, here's how he'll be killed, here's what he'll be saying as he's killed, here's, gonna, here's what's going to happen after his death, Here he'll become, I mean, there's so many pictures and messages of preview in the Old Testament that they're key for us to understand, even as we're living in 2023. 
So when we look at, at this story, we see so many pictures. Now, now Joseph has now come out of prison. He's been released like Christ was released from the dead and from the grave. He's been released and now he's over all things. He's basically the kind of the prime minister and he's in charge of the food. There's a famine, just like God has said. There's a famine, but, but Joseph has stored up all this food so that he can have provisions and this is, our, this is our angle today, the provision of God, the things that God provides. And the fight, as you can see, is the fight to tap into God's provisions, his store, and not our store or anyone else's store. I believe this is relevant to our marriages, for those of us that are married. It is, it is uh, relevant for those things, just the basics in life, the things that we need, it is, it is relevant to every aspect of life. So we begin to, to go through shopping 101. Here are some very simple things with shopping. Number one, you, you, have to, you have to go to the right store for the right item. Isn't that profound? Thank you. I know. It's profound. Just think about that all afternoon. Just kidding. In other words, if I want a hammer, I'm going to go to, uh, to uh, uh, Home Depot. I'm not going to go to Starbucks. If I want a cup of coffee, unless they're serving it free, I'm not going to go to, to Home Depot. You have to go to the right source for the right thing. It just seems simple. As I told you, this is 101. In Genesis chapter 41, we begin... And we pick it up in the famine. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened up the storehouses. Okay, let me pause. Class, who opened up the storehouses? Joseph. Was it Pharaoh? Was it any other leader? Was it the soldiers? Thank you so much for participating. <laughs> no, it was Joseph. This is a picture. Remember, this is a picture book for us. It's not just an historic account. God is sending a message for us because the picture of Joseph deeply, especially today, is a picture of Christ. Christ is the one that opens up the storehouses. He's the one that has the provisions. So Joseph opened the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And for the famine was severe, take note, throughout Egypt. All the countries, even outside of Egypt, came to Egypt to buy grain from who? From Joseph. There's an emphasis, almost an overemphasis on th this detail. Because, why? The famine was severe in all the world. So twice in the same sentence, it's Joseph that's the provider, number one, and two, the famine was severe. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times that I have too many stops before I find the right store. My father was the ultimate shopper. In fact, I, I think it was my dad's uh, good reason sometimes to get out of the house. He would go to the grocery store and come back five hours later. And the reason is he actually really enjoyed it. And he would, he would shop a little bit, you know, at what we would call Publix. We didn't have that back then where we lived. And then Winn-Dixie. And then he would go, you know, all these different stores trying to get the best deal. And my dad loved the deal. And, I mean, if he bought, if he bought bananas at one cent cheaper at Winn-Dixie than he got Publix, it was a big deal. I mean, forget the fact that he lost $2, you know, on gas driving all over the city. But it was just that win. 
But there are some times when you're looking just for that, that item that you need, and we're like, what am I doing here? The same goes for this story. And what really stands out as we begin is that most people wait until there's a famine to shop at the right place. Most people, there's a reason why God is putting these words in here, and it's what he's sending to us is a word, a, a message to, to not wait. How many times in our marriages, let's just say, until the bottom of the boat is scraping the bottom of the sand and now into the rocks, now we'll call for God. Now we'll call for the provision. Why is it that when we're down to our last dollar or we've lost our job, it's called foxhole praying? And what God is saying is, I am your provision. I, open, I am the one that opens it every day. And the best time to find God is before the worst time of your life happens. If you wait for the worst time of your life when it happens, God is saying, now I know why you're here. You're here. Now he'll welcome you. But God wants us to be every day. Second, and this was a big one, okay? And this is a tough one. Uh, and I, for some reason, I feel like I'm speaking to, to marriage couples here. Be careful that you don't think your spouse is God. The expectation that your spouse can satisfy you with full provision is an expectation that will land your, your marriage in a very bad spot. Your spouse cannot provide you full joy. Your, your spouse cannot provide you the deep peace that only exists in the storehouse of Jesus Christ. Your, your spouse cannot provide you with, with inner strength. Encouragement, absolutely. But on a supernatural level, both spouses are human. And we need each other. And we're made to be with each other. And God said, hey, it's, it's, marriage is a good thing. But we make sure that they, are, that they are not our provision for the things that it's the wrong store for the right item. Does that make sense? It's the same. Be careful, parents, with your kids. There's some parents that, that you know, they, they are reliving their life, reliving their childhood. Perhaps they didn't get something in high school, so they're going to really pour into their teenagers or all of these things, and they're going to do it so their life becomes better. It's the wrong store for the right item. Christ will give you your identity. Does that make sense? If you struggle with alcohol, if you struggle with addictions of any kind, with drugs or pornography, whatnot, in your support group, that's awesome, but please don't shop for the deeper provision in your support group. Should you go to a support group? Absolutely. I am pro-support group. Do all of those things, but just don't stop short that you're parked in the parking lot and you haven't gone into the store of Jesus to give you what he really needs. Does that make sense? Here's the second thing. The second shopping 101 item is this. If you want quality, it will determine where you go. So I'm shopping for a hammer. Ooh, I want a nice hammer. Why? Because I rarely use a hammer. <laughs> so if I'm going to have a hammer, I'm going I'm to have a nice one. I'm not going to the dollar store. I've seen hammers in the dollar store. My guess is they're worth 
23 cents because they got to make a profit. So when we are like, hey, I really, I, I, you know, I'm getting ready to buy a suit coat um, because I'm going somewhere in the world and the preacher has to wear a suit coat. I don't own a suit coat. I, my ties are 10 years old and people have seen them like, mm-hmm, at least 10. I, I, I just, as soon as I moved to Florida, I lost all that. In fact, when I first moved to Florida, I taught in a, in a uh, college. And uh, I had come from the Midwest, and professors, college professors, wore a, a suit, and, uh, I mean, a uh, shirt and tie, you know, a long tie and a long sleeve shirt. And I was coming in, and the, um, the, uh, man, uh, the um, uh, dean of the department, he was wearing, you know, he lives in Florida, he was wearing sandals, no socks, shorts, and a Bermuda shirt. And about three weeks, he came into my office, and he said, um, Hey, Steve, is there any way you can like lose the tie, bro? Because you're making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> so from that point, I just got rid of everything. Because I wear a coat, uh, let's say once in 20 years, I want something that's a little nicer. I'm not going to go again to the dollar store. I just, because it's a special purchase. How many times do we short sell the quality of Christ? That we're going to look for the expensive needs in life, meaning the soul needs in life, at the wrong store. How do I know this? Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by Christ, all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Why do, I go to, why do we go to this? We go to this because the watch goes to the watchmaker. The car goes to the car maker. The person that designed, in this case, the provider, Jesus, designed you. He knows your anxiety. He knows your stress. He knows your worry. He knows your grief. He knows your pain. He knows your weight. He knows your frustration. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams. So not why not go to that store because he has the expensive stuff. See, I was asking a friend, hey, where do I go buy a coat? He goes, I get mine tailored. I get a, I get a coat tailored. I'm like, how much does that cost? And he told me, I'm like, okay, how about J.C. Penney? Because I, I do have a limit here. But when it comes to Christ, watch, he can tailor the suit to your soul. And he's the only one. He's the only one. What do I mean by this? Watch this. I find this fascinating. Back in Genesis chapter 41, before the famine, Joseph gathered up all the food for seven years. Okay? Just, I'm going to think practically here which were in the land of Egypt and laid up f and laid up food in the cities the flood of the field which was round about every city he laid up in the same it appears if you dig deeper and when you when you read you know the researchers and the scholars that there are two things happening here he says that he for 7 years uh, he laid up food in the cities. The food of the field, there's, there's several things. Here, here's the practical thing. How do you store up grain 
in outside storehouses, warehouses, without having bugs for seven years. You need pest control, my friends. <laughs> now just think about it. How do you have grain enough to feed an entire nation and countries, multiple countries all around the region and not have one single bug? Well, when you research it, they've just found this dried up beetle bug in the same area that was, that was just, he was, uh, uh, I don't know what, uh, I'm going to say carnivorous, but grainivorous, right? Just love grain. And so what they think is that this beetle does not live in Egypt. It was brought from the place that Joseph was sold and this beetle transformed that, that got transitioned here because these Midianites were traveling through and landed in Egypt. And the, and the thought is that they built these, these granaries and they allowed the bug to eat that grain while they reserved the other grain that would not be eaten because these guys were busy over here and busy over here. If you don't buy into that, it doesn't matter. Here's what we do know. The grain was excellent. Nobody was coming to, a, to get grain that was full of bugs that was rotten. In other words, the storehouses of Christ are not contaminated. The storehouses of Christ don't have bugs. They are pest-free. The storehouses of Christ are worthy of trusting Trusting. Anybody ever had weevils? We've had weevils. And if you don't know what weevils are, you don't want to know. Weevils just spread through. We had weevils at one time spread through our entire pantry. That's hundreds of dollars of rice and, you know, every, every dry thing. And so we went back and, uh, and Publix gave us, replaced all, all that food in our our closet because we got the weevils from them. Why do I say that? Go Publix. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I say that because we are all humans. And all of our advice and all of our input will have a certain level of weevil. We'll have a certain level of contamination because we're contaminated. We can give good advice, but we have we don't have perfect advice. We can di distribute good grain, but not perfect grain. Every time we go to Christ, we know that the product is excellent. It's excellent. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious storehouses, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Here's the third thing about shopping. Have you ever been looking for a specialty item? They're hard to find. They're hard to find. Specialty items. My mom used to put, send us on wild goose chases. I, I need the yogurt, and it's a blueberry, but it's a small wild blueberry. Now, the, I mean, we're like looking in every store known to mankind to find this particular yogurt or whatever the product was. And sometimes that becomes frustrating they don't have it at Walmart. They don't have it at Home Depot. They don't have it here. And you're looking, 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 looking. And when I look at 
this story in Genesis 41, when Egypt began to fill the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And then Pharaoh told the Egyptians, why are you coming to me? Go to Joseph and do what he tells you to do. What do I mean by that? So many people, even though we would all confess that God knows all things, somehow believes they don't know the very special thing happening to them. That they view God as some ancient guy with a long beard who's so out of date that he wouldn't have no idea about your computer crashing. We were not, I had somebody knock on my door yesterday. It was a lawn guy. He goes, hey, you know your car's leaking? I'm like, really? What's it leaking? Went out there, huge puddle of gasoline. <laughs> so I lit it on fire and burned a sucker. I'm tired of looking at it. <laughs> I wonder if the God of the universe knows about gas leaks. Of course he does. And he knows about your most intimate thoughts and concerns and challenges. Don't convince yourself or don't let anyone else convince yourself that God is not a specialty store. He knows what it is. He knows what it feels like. He knows what grief is. I have a couple people right around me, pretty close, that are grieving. They just lost someone in the last two weeks, or they're about to lose someone in the next two weeks. There's like four or five people right in my close core. And there are times where we're tempted to ask, does God really get this? The doctors can't figure out this thing. Can God figure it out? Over the last year, my back has been in searing pain. And I've done chiropractic and I've done dry needling as like, you know, electronic throbs to the spine. It's super pleasant. It's going to be a new hobby of mine. <laughs> Deep massage stuff like this. I had my wife back over me in the car, you know, to see if that would get us straight. God has brought healing to my back. And, and we've, I have a group of people that pray over me. And, and uh, God uses different things, but God sometimes supernaturally heals. And there are times, to be honest with you, I'm tempted, like, does God know anything about muscles? <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but you've thought that same stupid thought about your deal, too. Come on, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, your, your father knows what you need before you ask him. In other words, we've got to go to the right store. And we've got to, if we want the expensive stuff, we've got to go to the right person. And don't forget that Jesus has a specialty store. It, it, it's a big deal. And here's the, here's the fourth thing. Stores may be out of stock. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? We kind of have a, my wife and I have a joke. There's this one store that I like this particular, this, this product that they have. And I ask him, I'm, I'm, I'm about on my seventh week. I'm going to ask him. And the answer is always the same. It will be on the truck, which comes tomorrow. <laughs> so there are times like, okay, I'll, 
But see, this is not tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not here tomorrow. But then I'll come the next day just to, you know, just to prove. So, hey, I'm here. There's the product in. Well, you know what? The truck was delayed. It's here tomorrow. Okay, it's not coming. Let's just, you know, the product. And so in this economy, have you noticed some of your, your, the products you're looking for are out of stock? Guess what? You know where this is going, right? Shopping 101, the storehouses of Christ are never empty. Now, he may not give it to you right away. This is not a claim it, name it, claim it, just, hey, just ask and you get everything you want. That's not it. Because in the store, I don't walk into Walmart or Home Depot and just buy everything I want. It's what I need at the time. And God is a great provider because he won't give us more than what we'll need, or he won't give us more than will just crash our ego and cause us to walk away from him. I told you, maybe, I don't know, a year ago, I got a friend that said, hey, God blessed me with, the, uh, with a boat. It was a blessing from God. I've never seen him in church since then. <laughs> so I'm not sure God gave you the boat, bro. Anyway. In Genesis 41, 49, Joseph, Jesus, stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. There is no end. God is eternal. There is no end to God and what he can bring. Hey, do you remember the story in the Old Testament where the Israelites were wandering around the desert? They were griping, as they did, because they, they were tired of this miraculous food that God was sending them. Three million people. It, try to cook chili for three million people. So God is providing for them with this manna from heaven every day. It tastes, I'm, I'm sure it tastes like, you know, something beautiful, like you know, honey and, and you know, sweet, just beautiful. And it had all the nutrients <laughs> because Christ created them. I bet it had all the amino acids that we need. I bet it had all of the protein that they needed. They weren't like gauntly ghosts walking around, man. They were well fed, all the millions of them by heaven. And yet they said, this is not enough. They wanted more. And so God said, okay, you want some more? I'll send you some quail. If you, you go to a restaurant and order quail, it's not cheap. So here's the interesting thing about that. They're complaining. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to slavery just, just because the food was delicious, apparently. And God said, let me show you the God that you're following. And he sent these quail. Now, here's the, here's this, here's the interesting thing about it. They were about 50 miles from the shore, from water, from the Mediterranean. Now, quail hang out near the water. Now, quail don't fly very long. But God sent a west wind. To have quail fly 50 miles, unheard of. Unheard of. God delivers sometimes in dramatic fashion. But he also delivers in dramatic proportion. 
So it rained quail that day. Now, the area that they were in, and they give some measurements. If you look at the story, they're cubits and so many, blah, 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 blah. The square mileage of the square miles of Sarasota County is 725 miles. I looked it up. 725 miles. Roughly the same size, 700 square miles. Quail were three feet deep over the entire county of Sarasota. Think about that. Now, let me make note, it wasn't three feet deep, 700 square miles of hot dogs. It wasn't square mileage of, of carrots. It was quail. It was expensive quail. The, the point is that God, his storehouses are not like, oh no, what are we going to do? How are we going to provide? Watch this, Ephesians chapter 3.20. Now to him who is able to do, say it with me, immeasurably more. And then listen, the three quarters of the room join us also. He, he is able to do what? Immeasurably more. Sometimes we just have to say it out loud. Say it out loud even the spiritual in the spiritual warfare. Say, I know that my God can do immeasurably more. My life is crashing, but God, his shelves are not empty. Sometimes we just cheapen God, don't we? I know I do. I do. I think God doesn't understand. I think God's shelf is empty. Now to him is able to do immeasurable more than we can ask or imagine. Why? Because it's according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Here's the final thing about Shopping 101. You have to activate. You have to activate. I do a lot of shopping on Amazon anymore. I find it convenient. They take it right to the front door. But I do have to click a button. I mean, that's how hard it's gotten these days. It's like people it's like people who text with no capital letters. I'm like, it's just so hard to reach that shift key. What have we become? Come on. What have we become? And we have to activate the shop. Especially if it's a specialty item, I have to go, I get get in the car, I have to turn the key, I have to put it in reverse, I have to go out of the driveway, I have to drive, I have to get out of the car, I have to get hot. In other words, nobody, no, there is never a product that just shows up at my door that it didn't activate. Shopping is a two-way deal. I didn't supply this, the, the Walmart, you know, in the last year. I didn't supply it. Somebody else supplied it. But I had to go get it. And so Christ provides, but he's saying, come to me. Come to me. Activate the shopping. Activate the ask. Because he's waiting. But he, he needs to know that you know that you need him. That's the kind of relationship. In all the countries, Genesis 41, 57, all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. In Genesis chapter 42, 
the dad, Jacob, he says to his other brothers, they were living in Canaan. They had to go to travel to Egypt. They also were in famine. Jacob, the dad, learned that there was grain in Egypt. And he said to his son, it's almost, it's almost comical, what are you guys doing just sitting here looking at each other? Think about that. This is the message that God would send. What are you guys looking at each other for? It's time to go. I've heard there's grain in Egypt, so go down there and buy some so that we may live and not die. There are too many of us in chapters of our life where we're Christian zombies. We're walking around like the living dead. We're alive, but we're not tapping into the shop. We're not activating. We're not clicking. We're not driving. We're not shopping. And God would say, come to me. I want you to have what I have. I want to give what I have. Jesus said these words very clearly. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And finally, I just want to remind us of the the names of God. You remember when Abraham was on the mountain with Isaac. He was being tested And Abraham looked up, he saw in the thicket, he saw a ram caught in its horns, by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram. Now the question some people ask is a good one. Was the ram always there? Or did God just like, kind of create a ram for a sacrifice? I propose, everybody's got an opinion, so I'm entitled to mine. I propose it was always there. He just didn't see it. I propose to you that the provisions of God are always there. But listen, now I'm going to step on toes a little bit. You won't have a breakthrough in the drive-thru. We want to spend 60 seconds with God and expect that we're going to see the provisions. This is a relationship. This is not a transaction. This is a relationship. This is not a transaction. Jordan Mueller prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and there was provisions left at his front door. You know, the guy in England with the the orphanages. And when he got to be 70 years old, he traveled the world for 17 years and he talked to others about the power of prayer and God's provision but you have to stay in it. You have to stay in it. Listen, shopping with God is not one click. We can't cheapen our time and lessen our time with God and expect to understand the depth of provision. I mean, there's not a single one of us that like, man, we're, we're behind the power of this message. That God's shelves never run out, that he's specialty, that he can meet our, our deepest needs, that, he, that he, he's the right shop to go to, and he's the right store owner that has all the provisions and has abundance and all those things. All, every single one is like, yeah, yay God. But the Bible clearly says to us, shop deep. Shop deep. Christ himself spent entire nights praying that's when we understand the difference between what we want and what we need. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught in its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place 
Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He is the provision. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Father, so much for um, your provision as we've seen today so clearly. But as we've landed here, we also recognize that there's so many messages in this, this picture book of Joseph. What are we doing standing here looking at each other because each other cannot provide what you can provide? Jacob and, and his sons could not muster any more grain. There was a famine. There was nothing they could provide for each other. Only you can provide. And so that message rings true and it just ripples through, through ages right down to us here on this Sunday. What are you doing sitting here looking at each other? We need each other. God, you've made us to need each other. But you have the storehouses. I look across this room today and personally know those who are grieving. Personally know those that are crushed in a relationship. Personally know those who are afraid because of a health thing, situation. Personally know those who are pulling their hair out with their kids. Just so many layers, God. And that's just me as a human, what you must see today, sitting in this room and for the people that are watching and listening online. How do you keep up with it all, God? That's only, we, we ask that from a human point of view. And then we see 105 million quail who flew that you caused to fly 50 miles. And then we are reminded, oh, it's you. <laughs> it's you, God. Eternally limitless. We understand, God, that we will all face hardship, transitions, things that are beyond that cause us to be in famine. So I pray, God, right now, today, for those who are particularly in, in a heavier load, that they will look for you. That they'll have companionship and partnership and friendship with other people, of course, we need that but for their deepest, most specialty needs, recognizing that you are the provision. I pray for our prayer lives, God, our time in prayer. Forgive us when we've expected something deep with such a shallow click. Drive us closer, drive us deeper, if we pray five minutes, let's go 10. If we pray 10, let's go 20. If we pray on the morning, let's just pray all through the day. If we never pray, God, help us to start. If we spend a half an hour, let's go an hour. God, cause us, even this church family right now, to be deeper prayers. Where we work, where we live, where we play, where we worship. We need you. 
finally, God, we're reminded today by that beautiful story of Abraham that that too was a picture that you will provide yourself as an offering, which you did through Christ. So we pray for those who are looking for you today. They came in and they came in because there's probably some degree of famine, some degree of hunger, some degree of thirst for the real God. And the real God had a preview thousands of thousands of years previewing the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. And when, we, when he arrived, we knew him because of all the compassionate prophecy and foretelling and preview that you did. So we know that Jesus is the real thing. And we know that not only by the preview, but we know that by the miracles that he did that everyone around the world recognizes, even under the religions. We recognize that he was a real deal because he went the full length He gave his life for humanity as the perfect Lamb of God, died on the cross for the sins of the world. And we can know all these great things, God, but it doesn't mean that even if we intellectually agree that we have crossed that line of faith where we've exchanged our current life, our old one, for for your new one. This is what I pray for. This is what we pray for today. Listen, if you're here today, and you're looking for Christ, an intellectual agreement will not ignite that new relationship. God is looking for you to fall into his arms. God is looking for you to to say, I I change, I, I have a change of mind. I want God at the center of my life and not me at the center of my life. I don't want God just marginally on the side and me at the center. I want Christ and I want to be right with God. Jesus made it possible for you to be right with God, not through your own effort, but to trust him entirely. So right now, why don't you pray with me? And if you're authentic and genuine, say, Christ, I trust in you 100%. Perhaps that's your prayer. I hope it is. Because it's the most life-changing prayer you'll ever make in your life to transfer, to exchange your life. Would you pray with me if this is your, if you've never come to this, this, this point in your life and say, Christ, I turn my life 180 degrees around, around, would that be your prayer? I trust in Christ alone and no other thing. I want my sins. I'm asking God for my sins to be forgiven because I am a sinner. Is that your prayer? You must acknowledge that. Otherwise you'll never need a savior in your own mind. I need a savior. I trust in Jesus alone. I turn my life around to you and I fall into your arms. I want to be a child of God. Is that your prayer? I exchange my old life. God, would you ignite a new life in me? I want to be a child of God. Oh, listen, trust in him. Trust in him right now. You don't have to be sitting in a church. Maybe some of you are sitting in your living room or in a car listening. Trust in Christ right now. Maybe you've got uh, earbuds in, in your uh, AirPods or earbuds or headphones and you're on a run. Hey, stop right now. Stop right now. And interchange your life with Christ. I trust in Christ alone. Maybe you're sitting right here in this room in this warehouse on this corner trust in Christ I trust in Christ alone is that your prayer Father thank you for your faithfulness 
Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your new life. And thank you, God, today that at your specialty store, the the shelves are always stocked. And we can count on that in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.